Welcome to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. And hey, be sure to leave a review to help others find this podcast. Hi, Nisi. Thanks so much for Hello. being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations on surviving your life. Thank you. Thank you. Nisi is a survivor of childhood sexual assault and a domestic violence marriage, right? A marriage yeah. with domestic violence. Correct. So Correct. You, you have earned a lot of stripes and now you're out with your book and helping the world learn about these problems that actually people don't want to think about, well, with good reason. And when I was a medical social worker, let's see, I stopped in 2000, I think it was, and only towards the end of my working as a social worker, as a medical social worker, did people in the emergency rooms even ask those kind of questions. Like now it's standard protocol. Are you safe? Is anyone hurting you? If you're an adult and you go to the emergency room, they, you know, they, that's standard protocol. When I was working, when I started out, that was not standard protocol. So sometimes right. when I would be doing my psychosocial risk assessment with interview, which is what I mainly did as a social worker, sometimes I was the first person that ever asked a person if they were in a domestic violence relationship or had domestic violence in their relationship. And for sure, a lot of times I was the only one to ask if they'd ever had any child sexual abuse. And the reason I asked was because in my hospital, we had this um, other social worker who gave 10 free sessions to anybody who'd ever been sexually abused, didn't matter when. We just had some kind of grant for it. And so I would ask and then they would say, oh, you know, nobody's ever asked me. I've never talked about this. And I would refer them on their way to talk with Zarena, Miss Zarena James. She was absolutely incredible. But what a job doing that all day, every day, sexual assault counseling. So anyway, let's jump into your story, not my story, right? This is what we're here for. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> So all that just to say that times are times have changed and people are aware of these issues a lot more and it's still not anything that anybody wants to talk about. So let's talk about it today. Let's just lay it all wide open. And but actually so since this interview isn't actually so much about the topic of whatever incident happened, it's more about what happened to your identity because of that incident? Oh. I want to hear your stories. 
and but with that angle of how it how it affected your identity. So why don't you just jump in wherever you want with whatever story you want because I think you have enough, right? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, of course, according you know, as the book states, I, it all started around seven years old, and again, it could have happened before seven, but what I remember yeah. around seven where, um, you know, I was being molested by my grandfather, then my uncle. Um, it also happened with a, a friend's uh, stepfather or mom's boyfriend or whatever. Um, so I went through all of that with them. And the effect that it had was me having to grow up too fast. It made me grow up too fast. Um, it robbed you of your childhood. Okay. Okay, so you were saying, sorry about that audience, the Zoom just like stopped. <laughs> the, that, that you had to grow up too fast. And so, so do you remember what your identity was like at seven and then how it shifted, what it, what it became? as a result this of this forced tra identity transition? Because right, um, so what I can remember is, I do recall being that little kid, had my baby dolls, you know, playing with my sister, my cousins. I, I always, I don't know why I always picture myself holding my Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> I always, <laughs> I had a cabbage patch. Because those were a big deal. <laughs> they were. They were. And um, just being a, a child. Um, and then as I've gotten older, you know, whether it be 11, 12, whatever, once I got, you know, fifth and, I'll say fifth grade. Fifth grade is when I noticed a lot of me uh, wanting to try things that I shouldn't. What I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, think about sex. I'm thinking about sex. Like I'm in the fifth grade, thinking about attempting to have sex with someone um, at the age of eleven. Um, and then, you know, as years gone on, same thing. You know, I'm just attempting different things um, that I shouldn't. Whether it been drinking, smoking weed the sex like I said I mean just things that I shouldn't be doing at that age because of what had happened now then I did not think that was the reason why I was doing that but thinking back a lot of what happened just forced me to do something that I shouldn't have done because that's what my body was craving at the time you know to be touched because I was taught that early. And so it just led me to want to do stuff like that. And then holding all of that in, not being able to talk about it to who, you know, my parents or whoever, you know, it it was held in so much that I was an angry person. It it made me an angry person. Wait, so wait, Always. wait, so what made you angry? So first of all. So the abuse stopped at some point before you were 11? Um, it stopped probably right at, right at 11, somewhere around there. 
Yeah. It, it stopped right when you were getting really ready to be able to stand up for yourself and right. tell somebody about it. They were like, ooh, we better back off. Right, right. And then uh, the, set, the one incident was a friend, was my friend's mother's boyfriend. That happened, I believe I was either 11 or 12. I know I was in, the, in junior high, um, but that was the very last time that that ever happened. But when I met with it, keep it, I meant about it keeping me angry. It was just, I just had so much anger in me, not knowing why I was so angry. Like I didn't trust people. I was mad at the world, um, just wanting to fight, you know, again, I, then I didn't know, but looking back, it was just a lot of anger inside from, you know, what had happened to me. From being um, violated. Yes. From being violated. Um, so it, it did change me a lot. So when you, when it was happening, especially when you were a really little girl, did you know that it was wrong? I didn't. So they, didn't. they manipulated your, your brain into thinking, thinking it was okay. This was okay. Mm -hmm. And so therefore you didn't have, you weren't angry at them at that point. Am, am I correct or? or Correct. Yeah, so, I wasn't angry at them. I was just, I was just going, going along with everything. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, it was normal. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this woman that I met through this other group and we talked a lot on Facebook, she's trying to get the word out about the what's it called the the process for sex trafficking what's the what's the name what's the process that i couldn't even answer that question <laughs> where 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 they oh man i guess i didn't come prepared for this interview um where they they teach you to trust them and then they they got you I can't think of the, the term for it either, but I know I know what you're trying to say. So in your these people that violated you, they were very successful at what they were doing, basically. Yes, they were. They were. Did, did they uh, ever say you have to keep this a secret? Did they ever threaten you? My uncle actually, he was the one to tell me that you know, I shouldn't tell anybody. Make sure it's a secret. The one time that he did it, I'll never forget. He said, you better not say anything. My grandfather, no, he just, I don't know. He just made it seem like it was just a, the norm. Like it was okay. Unfortunately, it is the norm. Yeah, it's, it's it is now. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. Yes, it All is. All over the world. Yeah. They are among us is what I learned in this pedophile class for like continuing ed for my LCSW. Yeah, it's and, and, and it's actually growing exponentially. It's not mm -hmm. that we're more aware of it. We are more aware of it, but it actually is in fact, the incidence of child sexual abuse is growing exponentially because for each one person who's abused, no, like for each, so usually the person abuses more than one person. So let's say they abuse five. 
So a certain percentage of those five are going to grow up and do the same thing. So, right. then, so then let's say these two, they go and abuse five more. And then two of those five go and abuse five more. It's like contagious, like COVID. A domino effect. Exactly. Exactly. And it's sad. It's, it's really sad. But, you know, I, I just, I thank God that, you know, it, it did happen to me. However, it didn't trickle down to, you know, to, into my family. Um, and, it, and it didn't destroy you. Because it right. destro- it absolutely destroys people. It does. It does. It just like I how said, does it that just happen? Me down. How does it destroy people? Yeah. Because of the fact that, first of all, you know, now you have to live in fear. And you have to worry about different things, especially when you have kids. You can't live normal, especially when you have kids, because now you're fearing that this is going to happen to your child and you have to be up under them all the time, constantly, because you don't want anything to happen. I did that at one point when my children were little, but then I had to learn to not, I don't want to, I had to at some point trust somebody, you know what I mean? I can't just look at everybody as, you know, a pedophile, but Today, I'm, I am like that with my grandkids. So it, it, uh, it will destroy a lot of people. Into, it, will, it will mess with people's minds. How does it mess with your <laughs> mind? You had started off, and then I think I interrupted you, it started off with like you couldn't trust. So how, how, mm-hmm. how did it mess with your mind? What, what because that, then that, that's changing your identity. Because first of all, mm-hmm. you're a kid. And you're a regular kid doing regular kid stuff, thinking about regular kid stuff. And then this happens to you and you kind of become a different person than, than that. And so what is it in your mind? You were saying that you had, you, you did things, you, you, you had yes. um, wanted to be close to people, thinking about sex in fifth grade. Yes. You know, back then, when I was in fifth grade, it was like 85. So, you know, <laughs> things haven't changed when it comes to the boys thinking about doing, you know, things that they should not do with girls, <laughs> which is not okay. However, then it was like, I was really wanting to do, you know, I wanted to, at the age of 11 with a, a young man um, who was my boyfriend, you know, we attempted to have sex. And it's like, I know I don't really want to, you know, but it was something that just was in me that wanted that feeling and that touch or, you know, so to want that at such an early age, 11, 12, 13 years old, that really is just it's just not it's not okay i should be out yes it's not it's not like it's not in the normal range of when that stuff starts happening right right and you know i know there were other girls out there doing the same thing now whether they were molested or whatever i don't know but i know what my parents told me what i shouldn't be doing but inside it's like it doesn't matter what they're saying. This is what I'm wanting to do. I want to try this. So yeah, it, it 
it did cause a problem. I ended up losing my virginity at the age of 15. Not that people aren't doing that now, but again, there's always a backstory to why, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing that. So there's, I'm sure, other young ladies who have gone through this, lost their virginity at 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's probably because maybe they've gone through the same thing. I know for me, that's, that was the problem. And it, it, it was tough. It was tough. And again, I didn't trust a lot of people. I when did you start um realizing you didn't trust people um I think at an early age I mean I don't know I I don't know I I had to be young because even with friends you know I just don't trust her you know I don't trust him I don't know I I would believe I'm sure I was pretty young I just didn't I don't know I've always had that I was I just don't trust anyone mm-hmm. never like I said I never you never know at the time where that's coming from but again thinking back I know I thought I can trust my grandfather I thought I can trust my uncle but it led me not to trust a lot of people even to this day I'm not I'm not <laughs> I don't trust everyone um, I'm uncomfortable around sometimes around older men um because my grandfather and my uncle I get a a weird feeling a visceral it's still it's still the memory is still part of your body yes yes and so um I try my best not to feel that way um but sometimes I do I I feel it's crazy because I feel it's almost like I feel gross you know being around older people older men I, I might not display it but just the feeling that I get on the inside it's like oh god so it's is- it sounds kind of like you're reliving what happened to yeah. you just in your mind because yeah. I, I I had a traumatic experience I was attempted rape by my ex-boyfriend and and I, while it was happening and while I was carefully resisting, what I imagined was him strangling me and killing me and then committing suicide himself because he was a very unhappy person. And, wow. and he didn't, um, the, the incident got interrupted by this orange light on a, on a road maintenance car. And the guy jumped off me and was like, I'll kill you if you tell anybody. And so he never strangled me. He never even like, it was all in my mind. But to this day, I still like, even me touching me right there, thinking about it. I, mm-hmm. I get, I get the feeling like I'm right back in that moment. Right. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like that's what's happening to you is even though it's not happening, your body has this memory. It's very, this is why it's so important for people not to abuse their kids and for kids that are getting hurt to hurry and get some help because I mean, I'm 62 and I still, that trauma is still living in my body. 
Yes, and I'm sure it will still it would resonate with me for years to come. I know it will. Um, I will never be a hundred percent okay. You know, there's always going to be that one percent where something's going to trigger that you know situation. I just I'm glad that you know um, I've gotten where I am now. Um, because again, just being so angry and bitter and I didn't like that. And it caused a lot of issues within friendships, within relationships that I've had. It's caused a lot of problems. It caused me to be an angry teenager, um, uh, um, unruly teenager to, you know, with my mom and my my mom and dad, um, you know, and for them, they probably thought, oh, she's just, you know. Yeah, just teenager. a teenager you're right and really it, it stemmed from what had happened but not telling them of course you know they wouldn't know and why would they even think that their their family our family is doing this to their daughter so but now you know I'm just grateful that I'm able to talk about it now because it took, like I said in the book, 22 years mm. to actually tell my dad and mom what happened. So mm. I, I'm 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 happy that I'm able to release it to the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at what point did you realize? What at what point did you become angry? Because you said when you were real little you thought it was okay and they weren't threatening you except that one uncle that one time so when when did you become angry or maybe you already answered this around well I I I can say thinking back um I had my first if I can remember correctly I had my first altercation of a fight or whatever I think I was in second grade and kids fight in second grade but um it started there and it it was every time I mean like every grade I can think of from second grade so I graduated I was constantly in trouble Mm -hmm. I was fighting and arguing and I stayed suspended I I just didn't care I did not care. <laughs> my my father was at the school a couple times a week because, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was defiant to some of the teachers. Um, I, I just I didn't care. I didn't care. So I did, you know, holding all of that in and then and then lashing out on people. That was my way of, you know, I guess letting it out Let, letting it out right just letting it out on everyone else so but what i'm i want to try to figure this out because you said that they weren't actually they weren't physically hurting you right and mm-hmm. you didn't know it was wrong but somehow you had all this anger so there was some sort of thing inside of you that was like no this isn't there's something wrong here Mm -hmm. so was it 
so like was it really confusing to I think it was it was confusing however what I believe is that as I as you get older you know you start to learn more and more about when you get in school you know fourth grade fifth grade they start talking to you you start learning more you know in fifth grade you talk about you know not necessarily with teachers but you're talking about sex and just different things um especially sixth seventh eighth grade that you got your your health class you know what's good what's bad you, you just learn all these things and then you start to think back well wait a minute this happened to me at this age and that shouldn't have happened you know so that that was not okay it wasn't okay um so in, in that moment when you when you knew right and there was no going back from knowing because they're teaching you this stuff mm -hmm. what was that moment like when the you're talking about as far as in school in school when you actually really found out that no this stuff that happened to me was wrong right um so I can't pinpoint exactly when, I don't know if I was in junior high school, high school, but I, I and I'm sure, I probably, I'm pretty sure I was in junior high school, but you know, like I said, when we're talking about sex and talking about when it's appropriate, what's not appropriate, that's when it becomes, hold on. I can't believe he did that. And I was this age. It, I had a friend and it mentions in the book who actually went through the rape um, by her mother's boyfriend. And that really opened up a lot for me too, because when she said it to me, it was like, you know, wow. And when she told her mom, her mom didn't believe her. Um, oh, that's the so, worst it's the worst <laughs> and i wanted to bring it to her mother's attention what her boyfriend did to me oh, um was the same so, guy same guy yes the same the the family oh yeah him he did it to her and when she mentioned it to me it was like wow you know tell your mom she's like oh she's not gonna believe me because when i told her she said no he didn't do that it was automatic shutdown um so she wasn't gonna believe me either so of course, I know it's wrong. Now at this point, I know it's wrong, you know? And especially if your, your mother's getting upset, like why, you know, why aren't you doing it? That was another reason why it brings up the fact of us not trusting people because when you go to people to talk to them about stuff like this or want to talk about stuff like this and they shut you down and say, I don't believe you. Who else am I going to tell? Because they might do the same thing. And I'm I'm good for that. Because if you shut me down one time. Right. That's you it. get the message. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't be like that because, you know, we should keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. But once you get shut down, especially in a situation like that, it mm -hmm. makes you just shut all the way down. Yeah. So it's tough. Wow. So then you, 
you were angry and so eventually eventually you you told your parent oh but that was 22 years later so were you already right. married so so how when I, yeah so you, then you ended up getting married and got married again right yes yeah and and in the second relationship there was domestic violence right but but in both of the relationships how did your identity that was formed under abuse from from your um grandpa and your uncle how did that impact your marriages trust once again it was trust and of course without that you're never going to have a successful marriage um so it did cause that issue in my first marriage you know and you, again just being angry at times for no reason having an attitude for no reason it causes arguments so that situation had an impact on that marriage not to say that the whole thing was my fault but you know that played a lot into it um and then into the second marriage of course you know, the physical abuse happened. Um, so I'm trying, still dealing with, you know, not speaking to my parents about what already happened to me growing up, but then having to deal with this physical abuse as well. So it was just like a big pile of mess that I was in that I'm like, okay, what next? How you know, did you how, put all that inside? It, oh gosh. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it, it came was, out in spurts in the anger, but you lived, it lived inside of you. Yeah. And because it lived inside of me, that's, it just made me more and more angrier. It made me want to do things again that, you know, I'm going to the bar every, every weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I'm sitting at the bar with friends, having drinks, sometimes just drunk drunk just to you know not to think about some of the stuff and then when it finally came out you know a year before my father passed I had just I don't know I it was a day where I was angry about something or I just got into a argument with my husband at the time I don't remember but it was at that that day it was enough I was like I'm telling my father what happened to me when it came to my my uncle and my grandfather. I never got to tell him what happened with my grandfather. But I did tell him about my uncle. The whole goal was to do that. My, my uncle was actually locked up. The day that I told my father, um, my father was on his way to go visit my uncle who was locked up doing 15 years for raping his girlfriend's 10 year old. And so, they of course not my father. I don't I don't know what my th father thought, but I know my grandmother. Everyone's like, "Oh, he didn't do it." I know in my heart that he did. I knew he did it because of what he he did to me. But that day, I went to him and I busted in the house and I said, "Listen, I got to tell you something. This is what happened. He did X, Y, and Z to me." And my father was angry. He was pissed um he left went to visit with him what he said to him when he got there i have no idea 
I never turned back to ask my dad. Did you have that conversation? What was it like? Did, what did you say? What did he say? I just left it alone. Was that his brother? Yes, that was his younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mention anything to my dad about my grandfather because my dad, now here's the thing, stuff like that, first of all, it's hard to tell because you don't want to destroy your your family. You don't want, you know. You don't want to be ostracized either. Right, right. And I already knew, you know, like my grandmother and them, they already thought that he didn't do anything with this little girl. So just imagine, oh, he didn't do that to you. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, you know, I don't want to have to defend myself. Yeah, that's that's a that's a different kind of assault that is very painful. It's a betrayal. It's one thing to be assaulted by the actual person. It's another thing to be betrayed by people who are supposed to protect you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what you know, my mom, she said, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Because I didn't think we would have to protect you and your sister from your grandfather and your uncle. You know, that's why they always had us go to them to be babysat. Because Um, they didn't think anything was, you know, happening. And I'm, of course, not showing any signs, I guess, of anything happening to me. But again, you know, me not telling my dad about my grandfather, I just didn't want the problems and my father was sick with cancer as well and so I didn't want to put so much on him you know to make it worse because he was already going through so much um Mm -hmm. but I did promise myself you know I'll let him know I'm going to tell him about what his father did I just need to get more courage to do that so tell me okay go ahead go ahead yeah but unfortunately he ended up passing away so I was unable to give him the full story and the grandfather was that his father yes no it was my father's father and my uncle's father yeah right now what what did that courage look like that when you actually told him about your uncle Um, where did that courage come from and how i don't even think it was courage it wasn't courage it was anger i was i was upset had I not been so upset the day that I told him, and again, I cannot remember for the life of me what I was upset for. And again, it could have been me going through what I was going through with my second husband. He may have made me mad. And something that happened between me and him may have just been like, okay, that's enough. I just need to start talking about everything. No more and secrets. that's where that came from. Yeah, and that's where that came from. Just out of anger. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would I would imagine it was courage too because you've been angry your whole life. Sure. And then yeah. one day you went over and and you spoke your truth that you had been wanting to. Yes. Yeah. What was it like to to not speak your truth all those years? It was really tough because there's been a lot of times where you're sitting around with your parents and, you know, I've, I've sat there and 
we watch movies and you see things happening in movies, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's being raped or, you know, just, all, yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, right, <laughs> right. And in my head, I'm thinking, wow, this happened to me, you know, um, or kid or people being uh, physically abused. And I, in my head, it's like, man, that happened to me. Um, so, and not mentioning it, it was weird. It was weird to see stuff, but you know inside it's happening to you and then they don't. So yeah, it was it was it was a, it was tough to hold all of that in for so many years. Um like I said, it was uncomfortable because I know there's been so many times that I wanted to talk. But I just I couldn't. I finally told my dad about the attempted rape when the Me Too movement was going on. Mm. Took it took that long. Wow. And, and I mean, it wasn't a family member, so it wasn't you know as important for him to know. It's, oh no, it's no. still important. <laughs> Very much important. <laughs> yeah. So it it it's tough for I you know it's tough for anyone. You know, no matter how long you hold it, it's tough to tell someone about that. It's almost, it's embarrassing too. So, um, isn't that interesting how we hold the shame, even though we weren't we weren't the person doing anything wrong? Right. Exactly. But they make you feel like you have. Yeah, they have their way of making you feel that you have. Yeah. But, the the yeah. word I was thinking of is grooming. How okay. how how girls get groomed mm-hmm. to then think that this is okay? What's happening? Right. That yes. And okay. and part of that is this this weird twisting of reality that they are doing something wrong, so therefore it has to be a secret. And mm-hmm. it's it's. It's actually quite fascinating how it all works. Tragic and and fascinating how the human being, how human beings can manipulate each other. Yes, 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 absolutely. Now, what what's it like now to to be speaking your truth to the world and? Do you feel like you have a new identity that you've stepped into a new over a threshold into a new identity now that you are, you know, you told your dad, did you tell your mom? Mm-hmm. Tell your mom. Yep. And now you're telling the world. You got this book, you're showing up on podcasts talking about your tragedies, and now you're triumph. What what is it like? Are do you feel like a different person now, or am I am I pushing the envelope too much? No, no, you're you know you're asking that the right question. No, um, it actually I feel a lot lighter because it was so heavy. I feel so light. You know, <laughs> at one time I felt like just a pile of bricks was just sitting on me, but now I just feel like um, just super light. You know, um, and it feels good because, you know, to be able to talk about it now versus then, 
and just to know that it's helping someone else because I yeah. since the book there has been a lot of people who bought the book and the journal and have said you know what this has helped me I've actually been able to open up after all these years of holding this in it just took your book or your journal to help me open up and so it feels good because now I know that what I went through was for a reason. It was, I mean, it, it's crazy to say, I mean, cause I escaped death a couple times, which, you know, I could have been dead throughout that second marriage I was in. Um, the violence is- Yes, it's serious. It's very serious. Yes. Um, I how mean, did, you, how did you get out of that without being dead? Cause when you leave, you're at higher risk of death than when you stay. Right, right. So, man, it's so crazy. I, when I was going through um, him, he, well, first of all, he was an uh, addict. He was a drug mm -hmm. addict. I found out a long time after we got together and it was almost like, you know, I, I already loved this guy. He had a double I found out, Right, right. And I didn't know that. And then it was like, oh, I can try to help him. But then it got crazy famous and last so, words <laughs> right <laughs> right um so i i felt like that you know like i can help got him in church and it was so crazy because he was so he was the type of guy that he may be on drugs today and then tomorrow he's clean and he'll be clean for six seven months mm. or he'll and then after those six seven months he might do it again and then be on his binge for two weeks straight and like, I don't see, it, it was, it was so weird, but the, the abuse happened and I had to, there was a, quite a few times where I tried to get out. I've contacted the police. Please didn't do it. nothing. They do. They would do nothing. Because he has to come and, at a crime before they, they before they right. can do anything. Well, you might be exactly. dead. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there was a few times where I've called him where it came close to that point. I'm like, Hey, this happened hello and nothing. So he'll go to jail, he'll get out. Um, so at that point of going through that with him, it tested my faith with God. So now I'm like, okay, clearly no one wants to do anything. The police don't want to do anything. What do I do? There's so many times I had to sit and just pray, 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 pray. God, please just get me out of this. But it was just a I, go, I would get the same answer. Just sit still. Sit still. Oh. And so I'm like, well, how long do I have to sit still? <laughs> like, what, what do, why do I have to sit still? And how long? Um, so I sat still. Though I was going through as much as I went through, I just had to believe and trust that I was going to make it through it. And I did. <laughs> so. It, it was, it was, oh my God, it was so much. That right there, those years, oh my God. I, I yeah, it was a lot. What happened to your it identity then? And usually the self-esteem um, goes, is in the gutter. Mm -hmm. That's exactly where it was. I secluded myself mm. from people at times, um, except for those who knew what was going on right 
so yeah, my, I, I was so, it, oh God, I was just in a place where I just did not want to be. I didn't, I hated that I was secluded, you know, just seclude myself from everybody because of what he was doing. Um, and then I had people thinking that I was on drugs because he was on drugs. So now I'm really like, okay, this is too much. It's just, you, you get people thinking the wrong thing about you, thinking you're doing drugs because, you know, I'm still dealing with him, but no one knows behind closed doors, I'm really fighting for my life. You know, I'm fighting to stay alive, you know. Literally alive. Yeah, yes. And yeah. so I sat still, waited for the perfect time to get out. He continued to do things that led him into getting in prison, getting put in prison. So that's, and I have not seen him since. So, and you went? I haven't seen him since since he went to prison. So, and um, so you were waiting for the right time to get out so that you didn't die in the process, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And and then before that time came, he went to prison. He went to prison after. So, like the whole time that I'm sitting there trying to, you know, wait for that perfect time for God to get me out of the situation. It was like, if I would have done anything different than what I was told to do and sit told, and be patient. Told by God. You're right. Not by uh, the police. <laughs> right, right. Because they would have me dead. Um, had I done anything on my own and anything different, I'm sure I would be dead right now. So I had to sit and just let things play out the way they played out and be led in the direction that I need to be led in to survive, you know, through all of that. And I did. And he finally went, he went to jail. The last time he went to jail, he, to right jail, before he went to, to jail over abusing you or why, why did he right. end up in jail? Cause you said the police didn't help you. The very last time they did because oh. Oh, thank good. God, because <laughs> He actually um, called me making serious threats because I was, I, I, I was just done. I didn't let him back in my house. I, I, it was a lot of things. I was just like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. You can't come back. Well, this particular night, he decides he wants to call me. He's making threats, tells me he's going to cut up my face. He's going to kill me. He's going to do all kinds of crazy stuff to me. And he's saying all of this on the phone and my kids are sitting with me. And then he says to me, you, if your kids are there, you need to call their father and send them with their father because they don't. So want I can, so I can murder you without them watching. Right, right, pretty much. So I did just that. I, I called their father and said, "Come get the kids." That after they left, this is when that I, I had to figure out something really quick, and I did. And when the police showed up and I explained to them what was going on, he called again. And he's on speaker. I put him on speaker and he's threatening me still. The police heard this. Right there is all he needed to do. And so it was a domestic violence charge. I signed off on papers. The police left. I thought they left. Well, actually, they were at the opposite ends of my street. There was two of them. They were opposite ends of the street. He came to the house and they closed with the intention. Yep. With the intentions to hurt me. 
and the police actually they actually went on a high speed chase before they got him um because he noticed that the police were there and he said oh you called the police on me and it, yeah oh, well. and they right <laughs> and they caught him and they caught him he went to he went to jail and then after he got out he ended up staying with an uncle of his and then his uncle happened to bring him to me the day he had to turn himself in for prison and he said i'm gonna bring him over there and you know i said I'm okay not. and I, and, I, and it was crazy because i was okay with it i was so at peace with everything that had happened at this point i'm like okay that's fine he brought him over i took him to the jail at 12 noon on august 6th i believe or september 6th of 2010 if i can remember correctly he said i have a feeling i'm not going to see you anymore and i'm not going to see this house anymore. Well, you're probably right. Come on, let's go. We got in the car, dropped him off at the jail. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> I went through a lot. But again, it was about me being obedient as well. I think this whole thing that's happened for me being a child all the way up until that last day of being in his presence, I think all of this happened to test my faith, to see where that would lead me you know to see if i was going to change or if i was going to be you know just to see how i was going to be if i was going to trust god or whatever and i did i i did that and so mm -hmm. it got me here to where i am today um you know so, i may so not who, be who are you today tell me <laughs> how different you are listen what's it, what's it i would feel like this? to be you at the light, after the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> Nisi, who are you? I today am an author of Behind Closed Doors, <laughs> someone who has opened up to help other people. And I believe that had none of this have happened to me, then I wouldn't be able to be a voice for someone else or to help someone else. So today I'm a totally different person. I am not 100% perfect nor am i 100 healed i will never be that there's always that one percent for me um but i am totally different from what i was years ago so and in what sense give me the characteristics i am now more trusting i am more happier i am more um i'm not as angry as i as i was you know, I'm I'm still human. You know, I may have, but there, there's still things patient. to be angry about. Let's put it right. that way. Right, I'm more patient, um, and I'm more I'm more willing to jump in to help somebody, especially when they're going through hurt and the same. You know, the same thing that I was going through. I'm willing to do that. Back then, I I didn't care about anyone, but me. Mm -hmm. but now totally different totally different i'm super sensitive now too so back then i was more just uh i you know i'm not crying for anybody i'm not you showing got, any emotion got your, your armor just there's not any crack and now your heart is open absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. now what about you how many women 
and and men have had child sexual abuse and they don't grow up and they don't tell anybody about it ever or maybe they do but they don't do anything to help others in the way you are so what is it about you what happened to you <laughs> to, to write a book and to be like on this mission yeah what's crazy is i never ever like to write or read ever in school i was just not that reader not that writer again i can't even really say well yes i can again the in the book it even says all of this happened for a reason it's it's all god driven i i just throw my hands up and i'm just guided to do what i'm supposed to do um it's not me anymore making decisions on whether i want to help someone or not help someone you know he's telling me i know you don't like to write i know you don't like to read but i need you to sit down and write all of this stuff for someone else for you to help someone else that journal especially the journal you need to, that journal got done i my book got done and released in october and I think I had my journal done end of November, December. So everything is being done because God is like, do this, do this, do this, do this. I have a kid's book that'll be out next month. Oh my goodness. So yeah. It's so you you you're God. you're you're a servant. I believe so. <laughs> I believe so. Yes. Still with flaws. Well, we, flaws, we, all, we die with we die with a whole stack of them. Yeah, yeah. Not but not very not better. very many people are saints in this world. Exactly, and I would never claim to be. <laughs> well, let me ask you one um quick question mm -hmm. because the hour is already. It's already evaporated. Oh wow! <laughs> I would love to ask you lots more questions, but um, would you describe the mindset? So, if you're mentoring people, which now you're mentoring people, what is the mindset that makes you successful? That then you pass on to these young people, or they don't have to be young people. Well, you have to be open to whatever someone talks to you about. You can't just, you know, pick and choose what you want to hear. Um, definitely have to be open to everything and be willing to listen to whatever it is that they want to talk to you about because they're not just coming to me to just to be coming to me, just to have a conversation. They want to be heard. They want to be, they want someone who's going to open the, open their arms to them and say, I hear you. I really hear you and I understand. And so for me, that's what it's about. It's just about being open and willing to hear everything from A to Z with no judgment. So what's something, what's one belief that you adopted that improved your mindset? Ooh. Just, I think it's just the willingness to listen. 
you know, because uh, back then I wasn't willing to listen. You know, you can say whatever and it's still about me. I don't care what you're talking about. But now it's, no, not, I need to really listen and understand and pay attention because people cry out. And, you know, I didn't, I, I tried to cry out. I, I was crying on the inside, but now there's people that's really trying to catch your attention with what they're going through. So now it's just a willingness to really listen and pay attention to what, what's going on. So how did you switch from not caring, not listening to the successful mindset of listening? Again, I believe, you know, after he went to prison and everything just started to fade away, all those bad things started to fade away. It was like, okay, again, this is God <laughs> doing this. Okay, now you have to learn how to trust. You're going to have to learn how to listen. You're going to have to learn how to do this. You're going to have to learn how to do that. And it's not going to happen all overnight. So these things are progressing in me. And I'm learning more and more every day to just, again, trust people and listen to people. And just those things that I, were, I was not, I have to be today. Um, because I know what the outcome was then when I didn't listen and trust. I Now I need to, I look at, when I look at them, those that are being hurt, I, I see me. Mm-hmm. So I know what it, I know what it, I know what it looks like. So you just have to turn things around. So they're not like you were. So now this, now that you're trusting, what happens when somebody betrays you? I just let it go. All you can do is pray for him. <laughs> now it's not, then I would be angry. Now it's like, okay. It's, it's on them. That's on them. Yeah. I, I, at this point, and people might think, oh, she, that's being cold hearted, but it's not. When you do something, okay, that's fine. Whatever. It's just that easy for me. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care. Wow. So, so it so it doesn't it doesn't make you stop trusting. Not no, not no. Uh, you know, you may do something to me, a person may do something to me. That person it may take a minute for them to get that trust back from me. Like, you know, if they do something, but it's easier for me now to just be like, okay. I mean, I'm not angry. Because you know you've broken the trust. I'm not angry. That's fine. Wow. That's... Now whether you get that trust back, let's figure that out. But it's going to be in my time. I'm not going to be mad. But it's going to be in my time when I'm ready. That's that one percent that I was talking about. I'm never going to be a hundred percent. So if you if that trust is broken, give me a minute. I'll probably get it back. But in the meantime. I'll just step over here and I'll just continue to do what I do and continue to live life. I'm not going to continue to be angry is I guess what I'm saying because of somebody else. It's just what it is. People are going to be who they are. Exactly. And what is letting go of being angry doing to your health? Um, I can sleep better. (laughs) 
I can <laughs> I can sleep better. It's it's doing a lot. My mental, like I used to have headaches. I still get headaches to this day, and it could be from other things. But I used to be so stressed out, you know. But now, besides my grandkids stressing me out. Oh, nobody, nobody, else. <laughs> nobody else they can my children my daughter right more my daughter and my grandkids they can stress me out anybody else not gonna stress me out anymore you're not because I don't like I hate being I do hate being angry I do I've learned that I just have to laugh it off there's gonna be another day Something else is going to happen. I just have to just keep moving and not let whatever is going on hinder me from, you know, making the next day a better day. Wow. So what's, what are some, a few takeaways for people who either are in a dangerous situation or know somebody who is? Or I'm asking a whole bunch of questions. This, okay, let me take that back because I want to ask one more question before I get to the takeaways. What is something, what could have helped you when you were that little girl needing help and not asking for it because you down deep knew it wasn't safe to ask? What could have helped me? Hmm, I think... I think had I mentioned this to my parents, what could have helped me? So sorry, folks. The computer ran out of memory and cut off our interview before we finished. But let me finish up this episode with the talking points, reviewing the talking points that we went over. We talked about trends in child sexual abuse and how they're growing exponentially and that the perpetrators are among us. We talked about the three common outcomes of, or not the three, but three common outcomes of child sexual abuse, secrets, shame, and trust issues that show up in relationships and living in fear, especially when you have your own kids. We talked about types of behavioral symptoms that may indicate child sexual abuse, anger and defiance, growing up too fast, and having a not caring attitude. We talked about what to expect when a child discloses sexual abuse. Unfortunately, the main thing is denial. And then with that denial is an incredible betrayal. And because of that denial and betrayal, there is a, what can be a lifelong loss of the ability to trust. We talked about the indignity and danger of being trapped in a relationship with domestic violence. That police often refuse help. That people seclude themselves from others who care about them, and also that if you try to escape prematurely, you can be dead. Sometimes you have to just wait it out until the right time. 
there's different levels of lethality with people who commit domestic violence crimes. We talked about the internal attitude of a successful mindset, being open to whatever someone wants to talk about, being willing to listen, opening your arms and listening to understand, and suspending judgment. We talked about the magic of feeling light after disclosing the secret, like releasing a pile of bricks and knowing that helping others can happen because of that. We talked about the benefits of overcoming anger. You can learn to trust. You can learn to listen. You can let things go and go on about your life. It reduces stress and headaches and you can sleep better. And lastly, we talked about the importance of all that happened. She realized that her faith was being tested, that if it hadn't happened, she wouldn't have the voice today to help others. And it leveled up her compassion and support for others. So thanks for listening. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart. Add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life, your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others. And make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers. The link's in the show notes.